Welcome to the teaching ministry of Faith Bible Church. We pray as you listen to the following message, you will be encouraged and equipped to passionately pursue Christ. For more information, please visit our website at fbcevansville.com. The, uh, the title of this lesson is Ageless, a, timeless and ti- a timely and timeless message for people of all ages. And we have as our pivotal verse for this class Romans 3, 14 through 16. It's up on the screen. Let's recite that together. How then are they to call on him in whom they have not believed? How are they to believe in him whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without a preacher? But how are they to preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. And of course, the theme of our class the past few weeks has been beautiful theology leads to beautiful feet. In our first introductory uh, lesson, uh, Caleb did a great job of introducing us to how beautiful feet carry good news and God transforms that which is not beautiful but can be ugly and despised into beautiful feet that carry as a harbinger of our Savior the good message. Caleb also spoke in lesson two about barriers, which are sinful, those things that would hinder us, loving pleasure, uh, fear of man, how would we perceive ourselves to be unworthy, uh, fruitless, infidelity, uh, infertility, but how the love for Christ and God's glory can drive us away from those limitations on ourselves. Lesson three, we spoke about important truths that are communicated. You'll remember Nate Van Cleve was in our class Also, Janelle Hobson and Darren Smith talked about their experiences in foreign lands and how they were able to understand the different views of God that were out there that could be a barrier to understanding this great message. And the truth of God being our Heavenly Father, that He is the Creator, that He is holy, that He is a just God, how these are all wrapped up in the communication of the gospel. And then, of course, who man is in relationship to God. These are all critically important truths. Lesson four, what is sin? How has man fallen and is alienated away from the God of creation? You know, thankfully, we can always communicate that there is hope, that there is hope in redemption, and it needs a response. And remember that Caleb talked about the fact that even no response is a response. Lesson five, We had both folk come and talk about the evangelism conflict that some people sense in that they think that there can be a conflict between the sovereignty of God and the proclamation of the gospel. And there is no conflict because God is the one who changes our hearts, who changes our minds, who gives us eyes. And so we can have hope as we pray and as we proclaim the gospel that God is going to call his people. Lesson six. We had a testimony workshop where everyone could work on their elevator speech or the testimony of how God brought them from darkness into light, remembering that it's not simply about us, it's about Christ. Lesson seven, we learned about the bridge diagram and how we can use Romans 6, 23 to communicate with people in their own words the gospel, the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Lesson eight, we did a temp check. We had four areas in which we looked at the reality of the great need. The first one was the unreached people group. We talked about there are over 7,400 different people groups in the world, but 3,273,000,000 people have not had any aspect of the gospel communicated with them. The second area was Bible translation. In Bible translation, we learned that of the 7,400 different languages, there are more than 2,300 that have no sections of the Bible translated into their language. The need is great. The third area that we talked about was that of giving. And in that presentation, we learned that of every $100,000 that Christians of all ilks earn, only $1 went to the evangelism and a proclamation of the gospel to unreached peoples. And the fourth area we talked about was missionaries. And we talked about the fact that of over 400,000 missionaries, again, of every stripe, 
over 77% of them are engaged where the gospel has already been preached. So we have huge numbers that have never heard. Lesson nine, we talked about the Lordship diagram, which was used. We talked about the Decalogue and how we can use that information to help people understand that, yes, I am responsible for falling away from God, from rebelling from him. And then we used the circle diagram. Remember that? You could color in a certain portion of what you thought you were like or somebody else was like and how that could be helpful. Lesson 10 was evangelism is a way of life. And Caleb used the passage from Deuteronomy 30, 11 through 19, helping us to intentionally think, consider, and review those opportunities we have to engage and encourage others to choose life. Then in the last lesson, we had the master's plan. It's not only for evangelism, but discipling and training and encouraging others to share the gospel. Today's lesson, Ageless, a Timely and Timeless Message for People of All Ages, we first called this the seashells lesson. And you all remember the illustration that John Piper gave of somebody who in their latter years would use the opportunity that God had given them to collect beautiful seashells along the shore. And then when they finally went to glory, they explained to God how they used their time by saying, God, look at my seashells. And you know, we can revel, we can, we can rejoice, we can take a celebratory approach to God's creation, and that's not bad. And we can also rest and enjoy the relaxation that God has given us. But are we using our time in the best way? And so it leads us to our lesson today, Ageless, a timely and timeless message for people of all ages. And I'd like to talk about, first, that true evangelistic zeal is seen in young believers. Some of you may be familiar with the Haystack Prayer Meeting. Five Williams College students out of Williamstown, Massachusetts, met in a grove of trees. And during that time, it started to rain and lightning and thunder, and they took refuge under a haystack. And in that haystack, these five students were praying earnestly about the cause of missions. Samuel Mills was the ringleader, and in 1806, after that meeting, within six years, that group had formed the Brethren Society, which sent missionaries to the subcontinent of India. In another few years, three years, Mills was in New Orleans, however you want to pronounce that, New Orleans, New Orleans, whatever, and he discovered that as he tried to get a Bible to give to someone, he could not find a Bible. He ended up buying Bibles in both French and English and distributing throughout the South and West and was instrumental as an evangelist in helping to form the American Bible Society the next year. This man was one of the pivotal people in the United States behind the modern missionary movement. You'll remember another young believer. By the way, he did all of this starting at age 23 up to 29, everything that I just described to you. An amazing evangelist and cause for missions. You all remember the story of Charles Haddon Spurgeon. 15-year-old Charles tried to go to his local church. It was snowed out. Uh, he was off on break because of a fever, because of a pandemic. Does that sound familiar? <clears throat> Ended up wandering the streets, going to a chapel that his mother had recommended. And while he was there, the preacher didn't show up. He was at the wrong church. It was the wrong preacher. This slender fellow got up and preached out of Isaiah, look unto me all the ends of the earth and be saved. And Spurgeon, who had been looking for someone to relieve him from the burden of the law, God used that moment to open his eyes, this 15-year-old man who became the prince of preachers. Here's what he said. Listen to this. I looked to Jesus, and he looked on me, and we were one forever. That moment my joy surpassed all bounds, just as my sorrow had aforetime driven me to extre extremities of grief. I was perfectly at rest in Christ, satisfied with him, and my heart was glad. But I did not know that this is grace this was grace, was everlasting life, till I began to read in the scriptures and to know more fully the value of the jewel which God had given me. Listen to this. He said, I thought I could dance all the way home. 
I could understand what John Bunyan meant when he declared he wanted to tell the crows on the plowed land all about his conversion. He was too full to hold. He felt he must tell somebody. And the same man who became the Prince of Preachers, six weeks later, was regularly, once a week, calling on over 33 homes with gospel tracts. Tender age of 15. God uses the zeal of young people. John Bunyan that we that just referred to with Spurgeon, he said after hearing a sermon from Song of Solomon. You know anybody that's been converted from hearing Song of Solomon? Here's what John Bunyan said. I was now so taken with the love and mercy of God that I remember I could not tell how to contain till I got home. I thought I could have spoken of his love and have told of his mercy to me even to the very crows that sat upon the plowed lands before me, had they been capable to have understood me. Wherefore, I said in my soul with much gladness, well, I would, I had a pen and ink here. I would write this down before I go any further, for surely I will not forget this 40 years hence. This is God working through a young man, converting him wonderfully, and he had a tremendous impact on evangelism and the people of God at a young age. George Whitfield. George Whitfield was heavily involved in evangelism before his ordination at age 21. David Brainerd. David Brainerd became a full-time evangelist at the age of 23. William Carey dedicated life to evangelistic preaching and missions work at age 24. Now, I want you to guess the name of this next person. And when you identify them, just shout it out. And be a little loud so other people can hear, including the deaf old man up front. In the mid-40s, when Youth for Christ was just beginning, a young man joined the movement. He was a fledgling pastor who had already attracted criticism from other church leaders for his radical ideas and outrageous preaching. But one of the founders of Youth for Christ saw the potential and mentored and encouraged him, provided opportunity for him to preach, to lead, and serve. I'll keep going. The young man's name was? Who? One more time. It was Billy Graham. Thank you. Yep, it was Billy Graham. And he has been used by Christ in evangelism, inspiring and impacting millions and millions of people with the gospel of Christ. In 2005, he had his last rally in Flushing Meadows Park in New York and in Queensboro. Over 90,000 New Yorkers uh, of all faiths and denominations were engaged. He was 86 years old, suffered from Parkinson's, and various ailments. As a matter of fact, he had to use a walker because of his ailments. But at that time, over 240,000 people heard the gospel. A Harvard graduate from the financial district said he had never heard such preaching before, never heard the message of Christ. He trusted in Christ during that time. A 12-year-old girl on Friday night said, I've been doing a lot of sins, and I want Jesus to come and forgive me so that I won't go to hell. I want to go to heaven and stay with Jesus and I want him to come to my heart. And she said, I want to be like Pastor Billy Graham when I grow up and preach the word of God. God uses the zeal of young believers, but here he is using Billy Graham, who is now in his 80s. So God uses the zeal of young people, but wonderfully, God uses true evangelistic zeal in older saints and older converts. So your walk with Christ, that you've been with him a few years, it doesn't mean that you're not going to be used mightily of God. Saints of every age are given this wonderful opportunity to have beautiful feet. Think about Bible characters. Who would you say was an older person that was used of God to convey his message. Who would you point to? 
Abraham. Abraham. Okay. Who else? Daniel. Daniel. Yeah. Daniel's impact was so great that at the birth of Christ, his residual effect in the land of Babylon influenced the wise men hundreds of years later to look for the Messiah and to come at the birth. Who else? Anybody else? What? Yeah? All right. So you have all of these individuals. Think about the Samaritan woman. The Samaritan woman is one individual. She was not a young Jewish virgin. All right. She had so many husbands. Even if she married in her early or late teens, she was quite a bit older. Jesus said to her in John 4, you've had five husbands. John 4, 28 she left her water pot, went into the city, said to the people, come and see a man that told me all the things I have done. This is not the Christ, is he? And because of what she did, she went to the city and crowds of Samaritans, those evil, wicked, horrible Sam Samaritans came out to see Jesus. And Jesus said, behold, I tell you, raise your eyes and observe the fields that are white for harvest. And you and I can only imagine that he, as he's saying this, you have these Samaritans coming out of the village on the word of this woman who is probably a little older. Many of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified and said, it is no longer because of what you said we believe, for we have heard for ourselves and know that this is one truly is the savior of the world. How about the tax collectors? Matthew and Zacchaeus. They had to be good financially. They also had to have a very thick skin. And if you look at the account of Matthew or Levi, he had this coterie of friends that came along. He had wealth. He had influence. So here you have a man who's probably older, along with Zacchaeus, again, probably older, being used of God. The Gesserine demoniac. The, or Gerasene demoniac. The Gerasene demoniac, the text indicates that there are no parents discussed. And like the blind man who had been blind since birth may have been older, the demoniac may have been older as well. No parents are discussed. And there's a long duration. He had often been bound constantly night and day. Nobody could constrain him. And what did Jesus tell him? Go home and report all of the things that God has done for you. Anybody remember the city or the name of the region that he came from? It was the, the Decapolis. It was the Corinth of that day. It was a corrupt place, but it was a group of 10 villages or 10 cities. That man, liberated by Christ, went home, evangelized, and that area became a center of Christian belief and lifestyle because of the powerful impact. And of course, you can't forget Moses. You can't forget Noah, right? Noah was a preacher of righteousness. For how long? 120 years. And he was called at what age? 500. <laughs> God does not only use young people full of zeal. But he uses people who are advanced in years as well. Who am I? Who am I to talk about these things? I remember being sent home when JFK was assassinated. I played 78 RPM, 33 RPM, 45 RPM records, played with eight tracks cassettes, and even transistor radios. I'm old enough to remember computer punch cards and been on party lines. Our home only had black and white televisions. Our neighbor used a ringer washer, a coal-fired furnace, and my grand grandmother had a wood-fired stove. I've driven stick shift cards with four on the floor, three on the column, push-button transmissions, cars that had no air conditioning, cars that had no heat, manual roll-down windows. 
and window vents. Uh, some of the, the white-haired folks in this group are nodding their head yes. All the above. <laughs> I've survived drinking through a garden hose and playing on an asphalt uh, playground that had a metal slide that would sear your flesh off in the summer. I no longer make fun of old folks who get together and talk about their medical ailments. And most importantly, I get a senior discount without even asking. I'm old. Can God use me? Can God use us even after we have had a few years under our belt walking with him? In God's word, we read in Colossians 3.2, set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. And the truth is this, friends, that when we allow ourselves to be ruled by time and its perceived threats, we take our eyes off of Christ and we focus ourselves on ourselves. Our eyes need to be where they're supposed to be, on Christ. When I set my mind on things above, I am constantly reminded of God's power-wielding truth. Our God is greater than time. He is greater than the declination of of our own bodies. He has given us some amazing gifts along with this gift of time. With my mind on things above, I recall Jesus' promise that he came so that I can have what? I came that you would have life and life abundant. It's never his intention that we should spend our years after our conversion in any life-sapping fear, regret, or sadness. Christ came to bring life, fruitful, abundant, vibrant, and productive life, no matter what season of life we're in. Friends, the Bible is positive about our latter years. Old age is not a mistake in God's design. He planned old age to be a season of harvest for his older people, a time of accumulated wisdom and experience from a life spent with him. Now, the scripture is very plain about the ravages of age. You look at Psalm 90, Verse 9, or Ecclesiastes 12, you know those passages about, you know, your hair and your teeth and everything else, right? Psalm 92, 14, they, older folks, will still yield fruit in advanced age. They will be full of sap and very green. I know where you're going with this. Yes, I might be an old sap. But I want to encourage you to think as God does and see our older ages outside of the zeal of youth to understand that it's a blessing, something from God. You know, he says in his word, Proverbs 20 and verse 29, the glory of young men is their strength, but the splendor of old men is their gray hair. And God gives us those ages in ways that will have an impact on the kingdom. And so... Today, I'd like to us, for us to consider seven ways that God commends our post-conversion years as incredibly equipped opportunities to be about our Father's business. Each one bears witness to Jesus' promise of abundant life. Each of these are worth celebrating, and they are all ours for embracing and claiming. So let's go. First one, number one, God gives Older saints increased wisdom for life and witness. God gives older saints increased wisdom and for life and witness. Proverbs 3.13 says, Blessed is a man who finds wisdom and one who obtains understanding. With age comes a plethora of life experiences. In fact, the older folks are the ones who have been there and done that. As this experience helps us to develop a broader understanding of a variety of viewpoints, a deeper reservoir of options for resolution and seeing through difficulties in relationships and communication of timeless truths. The life experience after our conversion can mean a development of increased social graces, heightened empathy, confidence, and better critical, uh, better control, excuse me, over our emotions. 
And this wisdom is not given to puff us up, but it's given to aid in our persuasive speech. Our culture doesn't always place a high value on the wisdom of those that are older, but God places great value within those ambassadors sent out to faithfully carry his message. As a matter of fact, if you remember Leviticus 19.32, there's a command in the law that individuals should stand up in the presence of gray-headed and honor elders. And that's part of our fear of God. And the same passage, or the same message is in Titus chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. In Titus, what does Paul, as he writes, inspired of the Holy Spirit, what does Paul encourage the older men to do? What does Paul encourage the older women to do? Do you remember? He instructs us, older men, to be temperate, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith and love and perseverance. Older women are to be reverent in their behavior and encouraging young women to love their husbands, to love their children. Many things can be learned by experience and experience coming with years. Men and women that have served Christ well and long have an advantage in witness from a life marked by devotion, ethical witness, and public testimony. So as we grow in Christ over the years, we need to see that God has given us a gift of wisdom for life and witness. That's number one. Number two, unshakable faith in God's goodness. Psalm 138 verse 8 says this, the Lord will accomplish what concerns me. Your faithfulness, Lord, is everlasting. Do not abandon the work of your hands. This benefit, unshakable faith, is one that can and must be developed. We don't get to wake up one day and claim it simply because we've aged. God uses all of our experiences to grow us and shape us. Nothing is ever wasted. Even the hard and the very difficult are for our good and for the work he's preparing us for. So that we can stand and give testimony to God's goodness based on the fact that we have gone through these things. We've gone through these trials. He has sustained us. And now pick up your hymnal and go to page 275. You didn't think you were going to get away without singing a hymn, did you? We're going to sing this, uh, these four verses. There are actually seven verses in the original. How firm a foundation, ye saints of the Lord, is laid for your faith in his excellent word. What more can he say than to you he hath said, who you who for refuge to Jesus have fled? Fear not, I am with thee, O be not dismayed, for I am thy God, and will still give thee aid. I'll strengthen thee, help thee, and cause thee to stand upheld by my righteous omnipotent hand. When through fiery trials thy pathway shall lie, my grace all sufficient shall be thy supply. The flame shall not hurt thee, I only design thy dross to consume and thy gold to refine. The soul that on Jesus hath leaned for repose, I will not, I will not desert to its foes. That soul, though all hell should endeavor to shake, I'll never, no, never, no, never forsake. That's the testimony of you and I 
as we increase our years, our years are not meant to simply cause us to retire into the sunset on a bed full of ease, you know? These trials that God brings us through are given to us. So in the words of 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 4, we comfort with the comfort whereby we are comforted. God sovereignly gives us these issues so that when we communicate to others, his power, his grace, the love, the forgiveness that's in Christ, that there's a ring of truth and veracity to it because we've been there. We've been through the waters. We've been through the fire. That one line, thy dross to consume and thy gold to refine. I change that to thy dross to consume and my God's gold to refine. He's going to refine that to shape us into being more effective witnesses for him. Older believers are repositories of God's goodness over the years. They're full of accounts of his acts in our lives. Many of the psalmists would say this with others to give God glory, to encourage and build up others. I encourage you, read Psalm 78 and you'll see exactly that. Those who are older have a foundation from which to share God's goodness manifested, experienced, and witnessed over time. Psalm 91.14 says this, Because he loved me, I will save him. I will set him securely on high because he has known my name. He will call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. I will satisfy him with a long life and show him my salvation. So we watch. We observe God's work in our life. We notice his hand in orchestrating our family's history. We mark the keeping of his promises and we lean into his character. While there's an advantage to the zeal of youth, there is also another advantage to the depth of experience and trust that gives gravitas, weight, to the testimony of someone who has experienced the rock-solid foundation of a loving, compassionate, and merciful, forgiving Savior God has graciously given us his word and a spirit to empower us and equip us. So as time goes by, each believer learns to relinquish control, to trust in his sovereign hand, and to be bold as a lion in witness that the fear of man can be diminished, that those barriers that Caleb rightly identified can fall away. Unshakable faith is a powerful platform God has given each one of us. Given you to proclaim his excellencies. Number three, spiritual strength. Spiritual strength. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18 says, Therefore we do not lose heart, but though our outer person is decaying, yet our inner person is being renewed day by day for momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison while we look not at things that are seen but at the things which are not seen for the things that are seen are temporal but the things that are not seen are eternal generally as we age we experience a loss of physical strength changes take place our bodies deteriorate unable to do the things that we used to do full of aches and pains we are prone to grief grieve the earthly loss of a strong, healthy body. But as his people, as God's people increase the years, we are reminded to turn attention to things above. Instead of focusing on the ravages of time, a new focal point emerges, pinpointed on the things above and celebrating the spiritual strength that can be ours. That passage that's up on the screen right now says that our inner strength is renewed day by day. Also in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and 18. But we all with unveiled faces, looking in as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as the Lord is spirit. In the time of Paul's writing, mirrors were used. The mirrors that were used were thin pieces of metal that had been highly polished and they bore the profile of the mirror's owner 
special God. And men or women would look at the outline of their God and they would try to fix their hair and their face to match this image of their God. And so when Paul says, when we look at our mirror of God, he is transforming us into his image. And he does that over time. He does that over time. So here's a question for you. This is class participation time. And I put out glue traps so I don't expect to hear any crickets. What does spiritual strength look like? What is spiritual strength? What does it look like? How is it made manifest? Amen. Amen. So the encouragement that God enables us to give to others is a source of this strength and this boldness as we don't forsake the gathering together. What else? What's a spiritual strength look like? You know, we've talked about these two passages from you know, the letter to the Corinthians. What does it look like? How does God make that manifest in our lives? How do we gain spiritual strength? I see that hand. I guess reliance on the Lord instead of uh, doing things your own way, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Good. So, uh, dying to self. Reliance on the Lord, dying to self. Yes, sister. Which passage is it that talks about how we should be talked to and thrown by ladies? I forget that whole passage. But that we would. We are no longer children being tossed about to and fro by waves. Excellent. That's an excellent reference. Thank you. Yeah, the steadfastness that can come of age. And I think the, the passage that you're referring to, I don't remember the whole passage, but I think it's also based on the Word of God. So that's great. I'm going to have to look that up. If anybody looks that up and finds that passage, shout it out. Well, James 1? It's similar to James 1. Okay. Ephesians 4? Okay. Endurance. Good. Yep. Second Timothy 4. Endurance. Good. Excellent. Good stuff. Spiritual strength. As the circumstances of our life changes, we have this incredible opportunity to spend more time with God, become intoxicated with Him, be drunk always with His love. Those who have lived multiple decades enter into a time of fullness in knowing God, which can spill out in exchanges with those who know us. We grow stronger in trusting God with our needs and burdens. And our confidence is infectious, knowing that nothing touches us, nothing that hasn't come through his hands invigorates us so we are bold as a lion. Through his work, the master potter creates in us a model for others to imitate in life and in conversation. Those with a few years under the belt can see the hand of God in everything. I think of the, the passage, do not despise the day of small things. You know, when, when you're first saved, you see God everywhere, you know? And as you're older, as you spend more time with him, I think we see his hand. Those who have been believers for a while can celebrate and communicate with a depth and appreciation that can accumulate with the advanced years. Number four, number four. An acute sense of priority for what and who is important. An acute sense of priority for what and who is important. You're familiar with Psalm 73, verse 25. Whom do I have in heaven but you? And with you I desire nothing but on earth. Aging generally can change one's perception of time. Increasingly more aware of what our nearness is to the finish line, our outlook tends to be 
shifting. We have a keener sense of what's important and where our focus needs to be. No longer feeling the need to rush through life, we savor. You take fewer things for granted. You're less likely to procrastinate. You'll seek out positive ways to spend your time. You'll embrace family and lighten up, tighten up on circle of friends. It's a beautiful season of refined priorities. There's also the truth, number five, that part of the zeal for someone as they grow in faith, as they grow closer to Christ with advancing years, and something that impacts our evangelism is a stronger eternal perspective. Ephesians 3, verse 8 through 12. To me, the very least of saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ and to enlighten all people as to what the plan of the mystery is for which ages has been hidden in God who created all things. So that the manif- a multifaceted wisdom of God might be now made known through the church, that's us, to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. This was in accordance with the eternal purpose which he carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and confident access through faith in him. In the younger seasons of life, we talk about eternity. We even sing about eternity. And no, I'm not going to ask you to sing again. Not now. But if we are honest, most of our days can be absorbed with getting the groceries taken care of, getting laundry sorted out, day of work. One of the precious benefits that you have as you walk with Christ and something that will impact your ability to communicate the gospel of grace with other people is an eternal perspective. That we're better able to think about life beyond this life. Our eyes are more open to that. Older saints enjoy getting to know God better through time spent in Bible reading and prayer by more freely exhibiting gratitude and worshiping more deeply. A fuller importance, a fuller understanding of the importance of our personal spiritual growth and deep intercessory prayer rather than just doing things. From what we've said so far, imagine how God uses the experiences of your life, the sermons you've sat under, the studies you've done, the time in his word and with prayer, the fellowship with the saints, how God has used that to help manifest in you the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These characteristics, these fruits of the Spirit, help you be a more winsome evangelist. It's not just the zeal of youth. It's the gift that God gives us over time that we can be a blessing to others. Number six. Number six. New roles. New roles. In Psalm 140. Five, verse 4 one generation will praise your works to another and will declare your mighty acts how many of you are grandparents yay <laughs> how many of you have given birth to your children and are surprised how happy your parents are that there are little people around again <laughs> For many of us, the season of aging brings with it an empty nest. And if you dread that, if your heads are hung low and you don't know if you're going to survive a period of time, think about this verse. One generation will praise your works to another and will declare your mighty acts. We don't lose our children. Our relationship with them changes. Instead of being the controller, commander, and coach, we now are consulting. Right? 
free from the responsibility of calling the plays, we now parent from a place of wisdom that was gained only through a lifetime of commitment to Christ and growing in his knowledge and his grace. And our reach goes beyond our own children. It's getting good. And you know, besides the joke that when you're holding the crying baby, you can give the crying grandchild back. <laughs> Aside from that reality, there's a joy and a preciousness of the relationship that you'll have with your children's children. And it's an opportunity that you and I have to impact the coming generations. That we can share the gospel, that we can evangelize our own grandchildren in that way. It's a great opportunity to build deep, new relationships, share our knowledge and expertise, pass along family traditions and family values and point our grandchildren to Christ. Number seven, you wouldn't think of this. Additional time, additional time. What are the, one of the wonderful things that God gives his people after the initial introduction into the walk of faith is additional time. Now, that doesn't mean that we're granted a supply of extra hours to add to each day. But Psalm 90 and verse 12 says this, so teach us to number our days that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. <clears throat> we have more time to spend with our loved ones. We embrace that time with family and friends tightly. If we're married, the season affords us more time to do things together and to draw even closer in our relationship. How many times have you met people that have been married for 20, 30, 40, 50 years? What a wonderful opportunity to use that as a foundation for talking about God's goodness in sustaining you and preserving you. And if you're in that role, you can point to the grace of God that's found in Christ. That he's the reason why my poor wife has been able to put up with me. And then share further on about how God's grace restrains me from my sin and how he liberates me from loving myself and how that opportunity, that power, that grace is available to the person with whom we're speaking. Caleb talked about the barrier of time in the second lesson. That barrier, for those who have walked with the Lord for a few years, has been stripped away and it reveals a new horizon of usefulness to our king as he gives us more opportunity to invest more time in our development as his ambassadors. More time to spend with him. More time to spend on the Great Commission. More time in prayer, study, praise, thanksgiving and worship. More time in his presence, beholding his glory and becoming more like Christ as we behold his image. Well, I'd like us to read this together. Let's read this. The choice is ours. We can choose to spend this season of aging, mourning the fleeting time, bemoaning the changes to our physical frame, and trying to hold on to what used to be, or we can choose to celebrate the remarkable stage of life and encourage others to leave aside the sin that entangles us and to join the race. Join the race. Come, run with me as I run to Christ. Don't be left behind. And then, of course, the very wise and sagacious and holy man of God, uh, Samuel Clemens, Mark Twain. There we go. Don't regret golding, getting older. It's a privilege denied to many. Of course, uh, Mr. Clemens was not a godly man. And he walked off into eternity being a scoffer. 
It's very sad. But by the grace of God, we don't have to do that. And we can leave behind a different legacy. I think of the song, Thank You for Giving to the Lord. I was a life that was changed. May God give us the grace to do that. To be a blessing to others because we have tasted and seen that the Lord is good and encourage others to do the same. Regardless of how many years have passed since our initial time with him. Any questions? Any observations? How many of you have, through the last few weeks, sensed a greater need to become more deeply involved in evangelism? How many of you have a goal now to share the gospel? with a person. I recommend you do that. You know, you may not be able to say God used you to save somebody once a month. But can we set a goal for ourselves of sharing with one person a month the gospel using the Lordship diagram, using the bridge diagram, just spreading the seed using the gospel tracts that, are, that we have out in the lobby sharing them leaving them at the gas station in the restrooms in library books you know, with a generous tip when you go to the rest, restaurant don't just leave a track leave a tip and a track who knows how God will use you well let's pray Father, we thank you and praise you that you are indeed sovereign over our lives and that you give us the time after we have been saved to grow in the grace, to be able to communicate your grace. Oh Lord, we pray that you would use us, use even us. We thank you for this privilege. We thank you for the opportunities. Help us to be obedient to give you glory, Lord, that we would indeed be as bold as a lion, resulting in your praise and the worship of your son. Thank you for these weeks. Thank you for Caleb's hard work, for everyone who's contributed to these lessons. Help us, O Lord, to not allow us, allow ourselves to simply be stuffed with knowledge but help us to use this time to proclaim your excellencies to everyone we know. And we praise you in your son's name. Amen. Amen.